Father, we thank you because you have prepared something for us this evening. We receive it by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we declare as follows. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you just walk with two, three people? No, five people. Greet the person, bless the person. It is well with you in the name of Jesus. Wisdom is your portion today. Understanding has come to you. Increase, increase, increase. Say special words for the next level of your life. Receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, lifted by the Lord is what we have been looking at. We are going to continue right now. Let's take two portions of the scriptures. We'll start from the book of Luke, chapter 19. Now, these are things we have read before, just that just, we, we have to get our text correctly. So let's read it again, or let's read them again, especially this one from the book of Luke chapter 19. Now, let's just start quickly from verse 12. So he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas, that's a measure of money, and said to them, do business with this until I come. My version is the New American Standard, and I like that expression very well. He said, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and all of that. Let's go to verse 15. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. Now please notice that. He said, Well done, you have been a good born servant. Now because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. And then the second came, verse 18, your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, in the same manner you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Let me just stop reading here. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now let's quickly go back, to, uh, go back a few chapters. We'll read from Luke chapter 16. Let's just go back quickly. The book of Luke chapter 16. Now this is one, although I've tackled this here a number of times, and I think a few months ago, that is this year definitely, we looked at this matter again. But again, because people don't seem to understand it enough, we have to continue reading it again and again and explaining it so that people will know precisely um, what the Lord is saying and understand how to apply it in their lives. It's a particular uh, confusing, one of those portions of the Bible that can be quite confusing. 
except you will study it very well or somebody explains it to you. And I think um, God has given me that um, uh, favor. He has given me understanding there. I've been able to pass it across to some other people. I learned about it, um, studying different scriptures, reading different people, particularly the reference Bible I read some time ago. So I feel quite confident in the way I interpret this. Now let's read it. Chapter 16, the book of Luke. We'll start from verse um, 1. Now he was also saying to the disciples, this is another thing, thing he used to teach his disciples. There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm about to get out of a job. I can, I'm not strong enough to dig. That's one alternative. And I'm, not, and I'm ashamed to beg. That's the second one. So what am I going to do? So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. I just read that as a question. This is what I will do. Now verse 5. So he summoned each of his master's debtors. And began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And that one told him a certain amount, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, okay, let's quickly do something. Here's your bill. Let's write it again as 50. Then he did something similar to the next one. Now notice verse 8. Surprisingly, verse 8 now. His master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Verse 9. And I say to you, now this is a confusing verse. Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, they, may, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who, he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth or mammon, who will entrust the three riches to you? That's number one. Number two, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another person's, which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let me just use the one my Bible uses here. Literally, he said mammon. All right, the Lord is good. All right, now let's continue teaching. We're looking at the fact that um, the Lord is our lifter. And that what we are going to get in life, whatever we are going to get to, will not be because of our own labor or our own energy. It will be purely because God granted and decreed that this is what will happen in our lives. And that's what we need to understand. Now, before I continue teaching, I need to go back to this particular scripture we just read, that particular verse that's quite confusing, and that is verse 9. And it said that Jesus was speaking after the unfaithful steward had done what he did of taking his master's bills and using um, defrauding the master to buy favor with people. Jesus now passed a comment which can be quite confusing. Before the comment of Jesus, the master passed the first one. The Bible says that he praised, Jesus was speaking now, the Lord Jesus. The man praised the unrighteous manager. 
because he had been very smart in his acting. But that's not what I want to talk about. But no, there's a statement that we should remember. He said, the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. I will explain that again in a moment. That is, they are careful. They use the skill that they have to do what they have to do to get what they need to get. Now, it's the words of the Lord Jesus I want to quickly clarify for us. Now, if you look at the way it's translated in most Bibles, and I read the one in the New American Standard simply to us, so that I can bring out the contradictions therein and show you what exactly Jesus was saying. If you read it on the surface, he said, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, or mammon of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. The first question is this, who on earth can give you eternal dwelling? Nobody. No human being can do that. That's the first contradiction you see there. Secondly, it appears as if he was saying, do what is wrong. Take money and use it to buy human favor. There is nowhere else in the scripture you will find him say such a thing. The Bollinger explained that Jesus was not making this statement. He was asking a question. That from what we have said, is this what I said to you? Are you getting my point? Is this what I'm saying? Because he answered, and you can see clearly in verse 10. He said, I couldn't have been saying that. This is what I am saying. I am explaining to you that he who is faithful in the very little thing is also faithful in much. And if you are unrighteous in the little thing, you are unrighteous also in much. If you have, been, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? If you have not been faithful in the use of that which belongs to someone else, who will give you that which is your own? Now you can see these statements are in direct contradiction with verse 9. Are you getting my point? So verse 9 was not an instruction from the Lord Jesus. It was posing something for them to consider. And you see that similar thing in Psalm 121. Most of us read it like this. I grew up thinking, reading it like that. I will look up to the mountain from whence comes my help. So when you look at the mountain, your help is supposed to come from there. David was not making that statement. He was wondering aloud, will I look up to the mountain? From where will my help come from? He said, not from the mountain. My help comes from the Lord, who makes the heavens and the earth. Are you getting my point? You must understand, these things were not written in English. So sometimes trying to bring them over into modern language can be quite confusing for people. And that's why once in a while you find those contradictions. It's the reason why Bible teachers read many translations. It's the reason why we read Bible commentaries. You don't just read, <laughs> I know nobody says that these days. Those days people will say that the Bible you're supposed to read is King James. And you ask why? They say it's the authorized version. I hope you know that's a very ignorant statement. Because you don't ask yourself, who authorized it? No, the impression is that it was authorized by God. <laughs> no. There's a king called King James who sponsored the translation of an English version. And it was written in their language of that time. And he authorized that this one has my support. I hope you are getting my point. That is the meaning of authorized version. Not Holy Spirit dictated version. No. So let's just digress slightly. I want to just educate people a bit. Because we do all of these things to help people know as much as possible. The reason why you have many versions of the Bible is not because people are quarreling with one another. Oh, please, by the way, have you heard this thing that some people circulate that NIV Bible has a problem? That thing, I hope, is totally false. You know it's totally false. It's totally false. There is nothing wrong with the NIV. When you see people, ignorant people, promoting things they don't know, it's so painful. There is nothing wrong with the NIV. It's a beautiful translation. 
I don't want to sit on it now, but just take it like that. Okay? They say some verses are missing. The translators did not remove the verses. There's what they call manuscripts when Bibles, when Bibles are being translated. So the manuscript you use, you have to stick with it. You don't change it halfway. Do you follow my point? So the manuscript you use, that's why the same verses that are supposedly missing from the NIV, read any good version. They have notes on it that this particular verse is not found in some authoritative manuscripts. The reason that those days manuscripts were copied by hand. There was no printer. There was no photocopy machine. If you wanted another book of Matthew, you had to write a copy by hand. If you doze off while writing, you may jump one word. Didn't you, I told you the other time about um, the Wicked Bible. Because those days, they used to use hand to put the printing letters. A man forgot to put not when they said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he printed many copies of a Bible with the, with the expression, thou shalt commit adultery. Now, if somebody who's printing can make that mistake, how much must somebody who is copying by hand? That Bible was called the Wicked Bible when they found out. That it, was, it was in circulation before it was found out. So imagine somebody took it away and said, no, God said we can commit and God never said so. God never said so. It was a printer that made the error. Those days they used to have copying. And then occasionally it was thought. Now it's called textual criticism. Those who do this and I'm explaining. They study as much as possible to try and get as accurate to the first letter that Peter wrote as an example. Because the one they found is not the original Peter wrote. It's copies that have been made no, handed down. Now, I'm just trying to explain something to you. So, those who study manuscripts, they are always trying to get as correct a manuscript as possible. So, they are trying to say this particular verse, we found 10 manuscripts, which are thousands of years old, or hundreds of years old. They'll say one of them contains this verse that the other nine, the other nine do not contain. So they will assume, therefore, it makes sense that very likely, whoever copied that one, inserted that line, maybe as a commentary for somebody. I don't know whether I get my point. Maybe he's explaining something to somebody along the line. So, don't, so all these things come up, you know. Some people, it's their job. I know, I know I'm, I'm laboring you with all of this, this information. Why I'm bothering you is this. Somebody sent something to you, and a lot of people believe they were circulating it, that NIV has been bought by some satanists, and they've been extracting nonsense. Rubbish talk. Can you see, you know, when you see something, say, why are Christians this ignorant? Beautiful Bible it is, NIV. Beautiful. All the missing verses you see there, every major translation will also put a note for you and say, these verses are not found in some ancient manuscripts. Now, just by the way, the older a manuscript is, the more accurate it is assumed to be. For common sense reasons. Because the more you copy something, the more you can introduce errors. So the older ones have been co- are closer to the original than the later ones. You've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls helped Christianity a lot to get, they found in Dead Sea Scrolls, copies of the book of Isaiah. And those scrolls were old. So they used it to compare with the ones they had and found the things that were very accurate. So they kept on improving. Just that like the, the translators of NIV were bold and decided to leave out some things that were not found in the most authoritative manuscripts. People say they are satanists. No, I'm sorry to say it. You know, the Bible says anger lies where? In the bosom of a fool. Now, when Solomon said it was not an insult, 
he was explaining that people who don't know something, they, they provoke too much. Can I speak that Nigerian English? That's it. They will fold it up and that NIV has been corrupted. NIV has not been corrupted. Now, just begin, by the way. So you are, you are free to disagree with some things. Like what I mean is that, no, I prefer the other manuscript, whatever it is. But if you at the end of the day, some of those differences are mild. Okay, so please, if you have an NIV, don't throw it away. You bought a good Bible. It balances accuracy with modern language. I don't read King James. Now, I just want to educate people a bit. I'll get back to my message. I don't read King James. Why don't I read King James? The language in which King James was written is not what I speak. I've never greeted you in the, in the morning and said, how are thou? I don't say that. What do I say? How are you? So it just makes sense that if I want to use a King James, I should use the New King James. The New King James is exactly as the same old King James, apart from that the English has been modernized. If you use the New American Standard Bible, the same thing. The original copy I used, they stuck with some old words deliberately just for the poetic feel. Let me give an example now. When you want to say, talk about God, they won't say, you are the Lord. They'll say, thou art the Lord. The original New American Standard stuck with that. But after a long time, they say, hey, no, why now? They remove that one and change it to, you are the Lord. Please, let's get these things clear, okay? I just want to explain that to people. You know, if you see Christians forwarding lies. And please, stop forwarding things you don't understand. Again, by the way, hey, many things by the way. Another by the way. Amen? Amen. Be responsible in the use of social media. Never forward things you, can, you have not verified. And it is not from an authoritative source. They are killing people somewhere. Whether it's true or false must never be spread by you. You are not CNN. Calamity News Network. Blessed are those who bear what? Good tidings. Please, you should not be the bear. Cursed are those who bear bad news. Blessed on the mountain at the feet of those that bring good tidings. If bad things are happening, you are not the one that will forward it. They are killing people somewhere. They are always killing people somewhere. It is not your duty. And for your information, it's on record. Most of the pictures circulated at such times are false. How do you control that? Don't take pride is be the first to tell. You know, you know, CNN will say be the first to know. I just encourage people, if you, are, if you hear news, if it's not being reported by authority sites, don't believe it. I'm not talking about don't forward it. What did I say? Don't believe it. If it's an important news, you go to a Guardian this day, punch, you understand, the nation, all those people. So please, if you want to believe news, wait to verify it. There's a reason why some people are professionals. There's a reason why, why they are professional journalists. Allow them to do their work. Do you follow my point? Somebody who's not a doctor falls health news to you. I'm just trying to teach people to be wise, all right? Now, how do we start all of this NIV forwarding? I think we have solved that one, haven't we? Let's get back to our teaching. The Lord is good. Now, so back to what I'm trying to say here. I took that digression, trying to just tell us why there are many versions of the Bible, okay? And that's why those of us whose um, assignment in life is to teach the Word of God, we can't afford just to read like who it was advocated many years ago to me, just read the King James. It's not true. You have to open your eyes wide, open your heart wide, and read, read Bible commentaries and all of that. So that's why we get some of these things we, ended up, we end up understanding. Like I pointed out here, Jesus was not saying, take money and make friends for yourselves. He was saying that it does not work. What you need, now listen to this, he was saying this is how the people of the world do it. That is their own shrewdness in dealing with their own kind. They take money, they take mammon of unrighteousness, 
and they use it to buy friends for them. But he said, listen to this. If you are my disciple, these are the words you must live by. Don't follow that principle. These are your own words. Understand that he who is faithful in the very little thing is the one that's faithful also in much. One principle there. Number two, if you are unrighteous in a very little thing, you are unrighteous also in much. No, that, that's one principle. Second one, he who is not faithful in the use of wealth that belongs to somebody else, okay, nobody will give you your own. Understand that. If you cannot handle wealth trusted to you, and then also eternal things will not be handed to you if you don't understand how to use material things. That was what the Lord was saying. I hope I am clear. I hope it is clear to everybody. Alright, so please don't misjudge the words of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so bear that in mind. Now, and let me not get back to what I was trying to say. So I've been looking at the fact that the Lord is our lifter. It is not we that will lift ourselves. I, I gave one particular quotation that what we, what we experience in life that will take us far must be favor. One moment of favor is what has been said is worth a lifetime of labor. So what we need is favor. As the eyes of the servants are looking to the hands of the master, we understand that our favor comes from whom? From God. He is the one that lifts us up. Life does not, I mean, we don't control life by ourselves directly. God is the judge. Now, why did we read that Luke chapter 19? To remind ourselves again that we are being tested every day. Where we are going to get to in life is God that decides. That the, the master there is a type of the Lord. He went to receive a kingdom for himself. And he wanted to know who he will put in charge. Remember that he rules in the affairs of man and he sets upon the kingdoms of men the lowliest of all, whomsoever he desires, no matter how lowly the person appears. Now, but when he's doing that, we look at the life of David. When he's doing that, he's looking for certain things. It's not arbitrary. The Lord does not close his eyes and say, no, do to, you know, God, tumbom, tumbom. You understand? Two see times two see. Close, you know, if you just anyone that your hand hits, he doesn't do that. That was why he allowed us to see how um, Samuel chose David. Everybody passed before Samuel. And you saw the first one, he said, I rejected him. So God looks at each person and decides based on consideration of certain things, whether he will lift the person up or he will not. His decree is final. There is no appeal. Are you getting my point? I mean, if you have to appeal, you appeal to him for mercy. You can't go somewhere else and subvert what he has decreed. He is the one that makes the final decision. In what you may not even understand that he's interested in. It may be in sports. He makes the final decision in who we play for the country. I hope you are getting my point here. Now, people are struggling to enter the first 11 internationals. He makes the final decision. You'll be surprised. You think that God doesn't. He makes the final decision. If he says he will not play, no matter how good you are, if he says you will not play, you will not play. No matter how well you have trained, if he says you will not win the 100 meters final in the Olympics, you will not win it. He makes those decisions. He does. Never forget it. Now, what we'll be looking at is, okay, what does he look for when he's judging people? Please bear that in mind. I want us to just understand something here again. Now, faith. Now, let me talk about faith briefly. Now, we've been saying a lot of things, and sometimes people will claim to believe. Now, I want to slow down now. People want claim to believe, but they actually don't believe. Like I was teaching yesterday, all right, that's in Abakaliki, that is actually people don't believe God. God is very trustworthy. He is very trustworthy. I was explaining that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. People call upon his name and they are not saved. We think. I say, okay, people call. No, God said they did not call. They did not call. He said, what do I mean? I gave an example that yesterday when we were teaching. That people are looking for prosperity. 
Now, what is their faith? Their faith is that, look, if I can only get to this North American country, I will find prosperity. If I can only get to Europe, I will find prosperity. So you see the effort they put into getting there. And that's what Jesus was saying here, that you see that the children of this age, they are more diligent in their own matters. When the man says, it's only if I get to Europe or North America that I will find prosperity, you see the effort he puts in. Even when he claims to be a believer, when you see the effort believers put into achieving some things, you know they don't believe because there's nothing else they have put that amount of effort into. What am I going to say? That when it comes to the pleasure of God, in pleasing God. Now, you see, you say, okay, I want to get to Europe. The person will pay 1.5 million naira. He is poor. That's why he's going that way. But he can raise 1.5 million. The family will gather it for him. He will travel through the desert, travel through at least three dangerous countries. Countries like Mali. You understand? You pass through those countries. You pass through Libya. No, you're not passing through Libya. You are going to Libya. I don't know what I heard I said. You are going to Libya. Are you all right? You are going to Libya. Do you know many times people have died? No, we hear about those who drown. You know why you hear about those who drown? Because they are fished by Western countries. You never hear about those who die of thirst in the desert because Malians have picked their body. I don't know where I get the point. People also die in the desert. Vehicles will break down. There's no water near. Men, women, children will die of thirst. But those ones hardly make the news because it's within our zone. Are you getting my point? Nobody's there watching. We know those who drown because Europeans patrol the seas. We know those who drown because they are watching out for people. Um, is it Greenpeace or whatever international will go there looking for people who might drown? A lot of people die in the process. But the next wave will still go. Why? It's called faith. Now, this one is to say, these same people, they don't follow God with that kind of aggression. And they say he's not faithful. How can he be faithful? You're not following him with that kind of aggression. You are willing to risk the desert. You are willing to risk the Mediterranean Sea on a bad boat. But if somebody says that, come and listen to I say, I don't leave my house. Once it's 7 o'clock, what kind of rubbish things have I not heard in this my life? You don't come to Bible study. You know, I wash on Saturday. I've heard all kinds of things. I wash on Saturdays. You know, I have a very busy week. So Saturday is the day I rest. When you tell me such things, I'm sure nobody has told me that kind of thing. When I hear such things, I just smile to myself. <laughs> I'm just imagining God looking at you and shaking his head. May God not shake head for you. I said, come and hear the word. You say, you know, I wash my clothes on Saturday. Christi- Listen to me. I said, look. Sadhu Sonda Singh, he went to New York many years ago. He walked around the city, said this is where they can't hear the word. And he entered the next boat and left. Because if Sadhu Sonda Singh wants to teach, he doesn't teach for one hour. Not for one hour, 30 minutes. When he starts, he don't know when he's going to stop. And he can teach for two weeks at a go. Those, that kind of man sits down and he expects to hear him for one month. Morning, afternoon, and night. Before handkerchief taken from the body of Paul began to work miracles amongst the people, he had taught them day and night for two straight years. We want to go for one all-night service and fire fall. All-night service that now, boom, 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 that is keeping us awake. See, my people, God is faithful. I want to emphasize that again. What was Jesus saying? He said, look, what the Lord Jesus was saying is that we don't follow with the same aggression with which unbelievers follow their own things. What we end up doing, we Christians, is to merge the two. It's called lukewarmness. 
Many Christians are still not comfortable if they don't have a good savings balance. If you are like that, you don't believe anything. Listen to me. You know when you want to know you have it? That money you have saved up for tomorrow. God will present a need to you that does not concern you. And you know what he's watching? He wants you to risk your future with, you know, for that thing. If you can't, I know you are praying. You just don't believe. I know you are praying, but you don't believe. <laughs> what was Jesus saying to us here? Look at the people of the world. Can't you see the aggression with which they pursue their own things? If we say, like we've been teaching for some time now, that we understand that it's God that lifts us up. You know the way we want, when we want to study abroad, you know? <laughs> do Nigerians still do that thing now? There was a time we wanted to die if we don't study abroad. But we have come down, haven't we come down? Because we have returned and it didn't pay us. Many people have come back and nothing came out of it. When we want to study abroad, have you seen the way we do it? We will borrow money. We will sell our car. Sell our father's land. Do everything. Why? If I can just get that MSc from Harvard. Doors will open. In fact, we almost want to list ourselves in the stock market. Initial public offering. Buy shares in my life now because I'm about to invest in masters from MIT. And once I invest in it, it will pay. And then your investment will yield dividend. <laughs> we feel that once we do that, the investment will yield. We feel confident. We feel very confident, so we spend the money. Please, what I'm saying is it not true. And nobody ever thinks it is silly when we are making those decisions. But, now I'm not going to do that, of course, you know. Let a pastor come tomorrow and say to you, that give for the progress of the kingdom. You know what we will say? It is acceptable according to what a man has. So we'll give that our funny 10%, we'll call it tight. And God should be happy. No, he should be. Why, why shouldn't he be happy? After all, most Christians are not even faithful titers. Our brethren are not faithful titers. So me that have done it, I don't try. Of course, you know me now. That is why, it's one, one of the reasons, that's not the main reason. That's one of the reasons why I don't like that doctrine. Apart from the fact that it's not scriptural, that one is established, even that the priest knows it, okay? Apart from the fact that it's not scriptural, it's one of, that's one of the reasons why I don't like it. They're very responsible as a result. They will gladly do things for themselves with labor. When it comes to other things, the kingdom of God and all of that, they want to be measuring. What God wants, I was going to say I like, no, not me. What the Lord wants are those that are committed to him. You know, he looked at Peter. What did he say to Peter? Do you love me more than this? You know, Jesus is still asking those questions today. Or that particular question. Is he looking you in the eyes? Do you really love me? Or you are, you are striking deals with me? You know, I don't, I don't love the person that sells to me in the market. It's business. If his market burns down, oh, sorry, oh, I continue, I go to the next shop. Many of us try to treat Jesus like that. That's why some of those doctors we preach, I don't, I don't flow with them at all. Giving 10%, he will rebuke the devourer. That's not the God I serve. He's not a mafia done. He doesn't do business with people. In Christianity, he buys you totally. From the strand of hair on your head to the scale under your feet, everything is his own. 
He doesn't do this with people. Give me 10%, I will prosper you. Who owns the 10%? I gave you money to hold. You say you give me so you can prosper me. Nonsense arrangement. I say to you boldly, it's not Christianity. Jesus is asking, do you love me? That's the question he's asking. Do you really commit your life to me? Are you really ready for that? Most of our Christianity is neither here nor there. We are looking for principles by which we will do something for him. He will bless us back. But we still retain lordship over our own lives. Not just by the way. People don't believe. Because if you see the aggression which they pursue, east or west or south. You know, promotion we have established, David taught us, not from the east, not from the west comes exaltation. Not the south. He said, but God is judge. If you see the aggression with which we pursue east or west, what is east or west? The surrounding circumstances. What is south? What I have, where I'm coming from. Aggression with which we go abroad. Aggression with which you relocate. When I see the way these foreign countries are milking us, sometimes it hurts. People that have never parted with 50,000 dollars an offering, they will raise 6 million dollars to travel to Canada. You know what? It's faith. Let's not fight. No, I'm not angry with anybody. I want all of us to just locate ourselves where our faith really is. Let's not deceive ourselves. Every day I live, I realize that God is faithful. People around are just faithless. This is our God. He's faithful. People want half commitment to him from them, then full commitment to themselves from him. They want to give him 10%. Then he takes care of them properly. Let me say to you again, if you have been practicing that, I'm sorry, if you have been practicing what I've just explained, just understand, if that's been your practice, that you've been wasting time. You have been wasting time. You did not get anything. You will not get anything. I say to Christians all the time, you can give any amount you want. It's your money. But don't expect any special favor from anybody for it. You give God 10% of your income every month and generally give him full January salary and you expect a favor from him. You have wasted your money. You have wasted your time. If you don't want to give, don't give. Eat your money. You know nobody is begging you. Have you ever heard me preach? Come and give, come and give, come and give. I don't. I'm talking to Christians generally. What God is asking is, do you love me? Do you know if we really love God? Are you getting my point? It will be even difficult for us to be taken advantage of a lot of times. Because we will begin to reason. One of the reasons why we fall for things is that we don't care. We are only caring about the return. Let me give you an example. Many times people do business. You see them on, <laughs> on radio. Oh, we have come, we are meeting in, uh, let me not mention any hotel now. We are meeting in Kingdom World Hotel, number 27, Portacourt Road, Enugu. There's no address like that, is there? I don't know, I'm just saying something. There might be a Portacourt Street anyway. You know, come, we have this investment that's guaranteed to triple your money within three months. We have this seminar. Come with 2,000 naira, we give you a seed. <laughs> people will go. They don't care what they are selling. So people will join pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes. They don't care. Why? It brings money. So if I invest 50,000 naira within a month, I can get 200,000. I can get 400,000. It's good. I don't care what I'm working on. I don't know what they're getting my point. And that is the same thing we carry to church. So a man stands in front, promises all, all kinds of things. We don't care what, what he's doing with the money. 
What we just know is that if I give this money, they say within three weeks, God will do something strange in my life. So we don't think anymore. Because I've been in places before. You know, me, I've been thinking for a long time. And God has commissioned me to go and help Christians think. Anybody who follows me must think with the word of God. You don't just raise a special offering in my presence without telling me what you want to do with it and I will answer you. There's routine giving. You know what they call routine giving? We go to church. It's our church. This is how much I give every month. Fine. I give to a ministry like Kingdom Word every month. Fine. But if I rise say, today I want to take a special offering. If you don't tell me what it is for, I won't answer me. Honestly, I won't answer. I don't care how anointed you are. I won't answer you. I will never answer you. And I've been in places before. I was, was always, When they finished describing what they needed money for, that see, it was a particular church. This was long ago. They had a special, you know, dinner. In fact, I've been to a number like that. At the end of the day, passed out sleep or paper. I showed them the project they were in there the money for. I still remember that day. I was with my wife. And there's another woman we knew that was one of the ushers. With the sleep of paper they gave to us, I squeezed it in my hand. I was about to leave. He said, Pastor, I said, if you don't get away from my front. She was surprised, like, ah, we fight before. My friend shift. In my mind, you people don't have sense here or what? You raise this amount of money for this kind of triviality? One of my friends, he's in America. He sent me a message the other day. He said, Banky, you are the only one that can tell this. He said, my church is raising a certain amount of money. He gave me the amount of money in dollars and in naira. He said that the pastor wants to put a very big screen. You know these massive screens? Understand? This is abroad. He's a physician, and he has money to give. He said, I refuse to give. He said, I can't see sense in what he's doing. There is nothing. I can see the front. <laughs> you know, you know, I wish, <laughs> time will not let me show it. You know, I will have look for the message for you on my phone. He said, I don't have a problem with the thing in itself. He said, but I thought such things are things to do with change. So I asked him, I said, he said, yes, we have taken three offerings for it now to put a bigger screen on the stage. You don't have screen before. He said, we have screens. So. I said, when does your pastor not get a $2,000 projector? He said, I don't know. He said, thank you. I can't understand. He said, he's a good man. No? He said, but in this one, I was just looking at them. He said, I'm not giving them. One night, I'm not giving. One dollar, I'm not giving. I've been in places before. They're asking for offering. My wife said, won't I give? I said, when did I start worshiping idols? That was the answer I gave her. I said, for this kind of thing? I said, if I give money, it's the worship of idols I'm into. But many of us, we don't reason. You know why we don't reason? Because of the reward. As far as we are concerned, it's MMM, spiritual MMM. <laughs> People will start doing, you know, Christians don't like to reason because it's idol worship. Is I don't watch, like I told you before, I have no problem with the raising of money. You've seen me do it before. And I, in fact, all you co-workers, because I've not reminded you, you know you are supposed to give on a monthly basis to Kingdom World. If you have not completed the pledge you made since January, don't go home for Christmas. Because unless I permit you, your tire will blow. You know Godayo, but your motto is entering gutter. How can you make a pledge to praise the gospel from January till now? I'll still be reminding you. Say, Pastor, but I don't. You have. You have. How can you know how? Did I force you to make the pledge? Go and look for the money. Don't steal. Just go and join those who are carrying cement. If you do for two days, you will have for one month. I'm telling you the truth. I believe people should give. (laughs) 
People, men that Christians want to give when it's convenient. That's how wicked people give. So they end up never giving. Giving is priority. It's in front. It's not when you have finished all your other expenditure. You now put giving at the back. No. Giving is in front. That's a Christian's life. But I'm just trying to explain something. I'm not trying to bribe God. We give out of love. I hope you're getting my point here. Take a place like Kingdom World Ministries. As of today, we broadcast the word every week, many times, in many places, several times a week, on 16 radio stations as of today. Look, if I calculate our radio bills for you, if your money is not inside it, you're a wicked soul. You are wicked. You are coming here regularly. And you are not part of the... You are too wicked. Your wickedness makes me doubt your salvation. You'll be praying against Boko Haram. You think it will go away by prayer alone? We have to broadcast the word there. You know some people say, say, no, Pastor Vaki doesn't talk about money. That's how you should be wicked. I won't change myself because of you. I will own anybody. I've ever come to report that the radio station is not broadcast because you didn't pay. If any radio station did not broadcast us, it is because they are being irresponsible. We're not winning their money. One held our money for over a year because their radio station burnt. One brother, by, that, by, by the way, one brother went there, paid them for one full year. We're not the ones that paid that one. <laughs> Just by the way, some say, Pastor Van doesn't talk about it. That's not why you should be wicked and mean and selfish. It's faithlessness. When great things are happening, you're not part of it. Why? You are saving money to buy a motor car. Let me tell you, that car will catch fire. Apostle, say amen. And the, look, the country is burning. The only thing that will save souls is the gospel. And you're not contributing money to preach it. And you're going to buy a car and you think it will bless you. God forbid, batting. It cannot bless you. You are too faithless. That's why. It's not punishmental. It's just that this gospel you claim to believe, you don't believe anything. I'm not saying, I, I didn't say so exist for redemption of your cow. Did I say that? I'm saying redirect your heart to where a man's treasure is. There is how to be also. That thing works both ways. What you really believe in. <laughs> Somebody is sick. Your loved one. Finally, the diagnosis said the drug is 25000 a tablet. He will take one every week for six months. Won't you find the money? We say it's more than 10% of my income. <laughs> the Lord is good. Can I sit on my message? Who are those who are troubling my soul? <laughs> I'm trying to preach my message. That is just coming up. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to let me tell you the truth. God is faithful. We've not, we don't serve God well. That's the point I'm making. We don't serve him well. Many times we are spending money, it's selfish money. And so we pastors, we have lent it too. When I say, ah, say, Pastor, okay, Monte. So we are owing seven radio stations. Eh. Okay, what do we do? No problem. We now turn the people of God to idol worshippers. You know what idol worshippers? This is what we do. Somebody is believing God for increase. Today, there is an anointing in this house. Very common on... Okay, let me not mention. So I feel a special anointing in the studio today. In fact, you know, when they start, I start laughing. Lie, lie. Why do my brethren tell lies so much? So there's a special anointing in this studio. As I, as I step in here, I felt the Holy Spirit in this place. And anybody who puts a thousand dollars, the phones, the phone lines are open right now. A thousand dollars, a breakthrough waiting for you this week is a lie. No breakthrough is waiting for you anywhere. How can
can bread will be waiting, waiting for you? When the man preaching, he was not thinking about you. He was... Th- Let's tell ourselves the truth now. Ah. He is thinking about, we have, never, we have not paid radio station. We have not paid television people. He's not telling me breakthrough is waiting for me. No breakthrough is waiting for me. He's lying to me. He wants to raise money. And people like, when they start, I start laughing. If the ministry I believe in, or something I can be part of, I just laugh. I give them the money I want to give, and I'll be laughing. I say, bro, skip your breakthrough. Those that God kept breakthrough for, nobody like that. He said, when were we hungry? When were you hungry and we gave you food? They did not know. Serving. I went to a church once there, and I said, they they do. I told my sister who invited her, I said, what is all of this? I said, the guy is raising money. I said, is that how to raise money? Mostly tell lies. Tell us the amount you need. Then go and sit down. Then God will move our hearts. We will give the one we can. As the guy was talking, I was, I was so angry with him. But I brought out my phone, copied the, the, the church account number, mobile app, transferred the offering I wanted to give them. And I said, why do, why do we tell lies? No need to lie. Those who have been instructed in the word of God, you don't need to lie to them. Jesus is asking, do you love me? What am I going to say? We don't love God enough. We have an arrangement in which I give you something, you take care of me. And that's why he appears as if he's unfaithful. Because if you see the aggression with which you pursue our things, like I was saying, when we think that uh, promotion is coming from that extra certificate I will get from the foreign university, do you see how we go after it? We will borrow the money. We will sell property. We will sell the car that we have. And Jesus said, that is the way of the world. That is the way of the world. That is the way of the world. He said, but the church wants to borrow it while claiming they are walking by faith. They are not walking by faith. If they were walking by faith, they would say, Lord, what certificate do you need from me to promote me? I don't know whether you are getting the point. And Jesus answered it there. He said, it is faithfulness in little. He said, huh? It is faithfulness in that which belongs to somebody else. That's another one. I wrote a list of them. He said concerning Abraham, he must teach his children and his household righteousness and what? Justice. That is another one. The number of them, I, I wrote them down. He said he must be faithful in the use of his gifts. After all, when I was living, I gave to this, gave to that, gave to the third fellow. I said, do business with this until I come. So if I am not being promoted, he has not yet come. Otherwise, I have been judged and condemned. Because if he comes, I must be promoted. I don't know whether you're getting the point. So what do I do? I ask myself, okay, he is not yet back. What did he give me while he was gone? While he was going? What did he say, do until I return? He says to Banky, I have put instructions in my word in your mouth. Deliver it consistently. There was a guy I gave one talent. When I returned, he showed me ten. I wanted to have that kind of mindset. Today, my wife and I were discussing. As we were talking, I started laughing. He said, what? I said, now I'm discovering the answer to the question I've been asking the Lord over the last few months. Well, we're just talking about books. I need to complete this book. I need to do this one. I need to do this. Just it just hit me that the extra time God gave me, this is what it is for. 
I wonder he's going to return. He's not going to promote me on how much I hustled for this or that. I learned to preach a doctrine that raises money. No. He's just going to say, okay, Banky, I saw you have a nice book out. That is very good. Title is um, How to Work for God. Since that one, which one has come out? Secreted by the Spirit. Uh-huh. Since then, any other one? Start scratching the head. Well, you know, I went on a safari to Kenya. You know, I was looking at lions, so I didn't have time. It will surprise many people. Now, if I can talk about myself. I'm a preacher. God help me. God is counting, literally, the number of messages I preach, the number of messages I record, how true the statements inside are, how much I use the avenue he has given to me to push, propagate the truth. When people tell me that you give your messages out for free on the internet, your books out for free, you don't understand. Part of it is that you think I have the option of selling it, are you selling them. But you don't understand that no matter how much I make from that, it cannot pay if Jesus expected one million downloads and I only presented 50,000 downloads because they are the ones who could pay. You know what Jesus will ask me? I set the machinery in motion for a million downloads. Didn't you see the person I sent to design a website? Didn't you see the skill I put in his hands? You think skills come out of nothing? Why didn't you ask Moses where skill in the hand of Bezalel came from? I made Bezalel skillful for the building of the tabernacle. I sent you a man that was skilled. He built you a good website. Where do you host your website? I tell him. How much bandwidth do you have? I let him know. He said, do you realize that this your bandwidth can support a million downloads every two months? He said, yes. Actually, I had a million, a number of hundreds of thousands of people waiting to click. They could not click because you said they had to pay $10. They could not click because you said they had to pay 200 naira. And you're looking, Lord, what are you saying? When you needed money, why did you not ask me? Why should your desire to raise your extra fund be the hindrance to click and download? That is one reason I do what I do. Because one day he's Christians, we don't get it. He's actually going to come and ask. You'll be there living large in your big house in one foreign country and he's asking you that, do you realize that four boys were shot last week by the police for armed robbery? He said, how is that my business? You will have been their mentor. They couldn't find you. When you stand in his presence, every material thing you have will dissolve. Your house will dissolve. Your private jet will dissolve. That is, they'll come to nothing. You'll see yourself standing in space. And if we're allowed to look at those things, you will see that they mean nothing. You will just see it. And then you will look, you'll feel so foolish. You'll feel so foolish. After all, how much was we ever getting from what they clicking and downloading money payment? God is not saying, listen, payment is bad. Say, but why should it be a hindrance? Many years ago, a man saw me here at this junction, those early days of Cosmo FM. So he recognized me. He said he wanted, ah, he's so happy to see me that how could he get some of our messages and all of that. So it happened that I had some in the car, CDs, you know, the way we do MP3s. And they are for sale. You know, you pay for them. But you know the way they are, 
very low price, contains many messages. So he bought a number of them. He now asked me a question. He said that, he lives in Abuja, that he wants his friends to do to the message, that how can they get? So I was looking at him like, what do you mean how can your friends get? He said, yeah, that it, like this one's he bought now. If they, his friends would like, ha, like to have them. So I said, but you have bought them now. You have a problem with sharing them with, sharing with them. <laughs> you know, like, there was a bit of confusion. That there is MP3 now. Each, each CD contains many messages. So he looked at me like, you don't mind us copying it? Ah, I said, of course not. You give it to them, they copy it to their computer. All of you put on your, all your computers. You are not paying me for the message. You are paying for the disc, the, the material that it's on. The, the content is free. Ah, uh-huh. okay. He was pretty surprised. Now, this is where I'm going. Why would I make it a problem for him to share it? Abuja is far away. Then, I don't think we have such a website that we, like we have now. So, for me, it was a blessing that somebody would be taking it to Abuja. Last time we were Makodi. I met one of the guys looking for the program. He said that whether we knew about a group in Abuja where people gather to listen to our messages. I said, no, we know not. Oh, you people don't know. But I said, no, we don't know anything about it. Okay, I met some young women. They gather regularly, put on the message or a book, and they study together. I said, no, I don't know about it. Now, as we hear from your mother, I said, we don't have any office in Abuja. One of our radio stations cover part of Abuja. That's as close as we get to the place. What am I going to say? I'm not, don't think, oh, Vanky is a nice guy. I am not nicer than most people. That's my wife. I'm a normal person. What, <laughs> why I do what I do is it's a common sense thing because I know how I'm being rated. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The person who sent me an assignment, I know what he's counting. And I don't let it even enter my head that you guys are doing well. Doing where, where? I think of books we have not written. Today, my wife and I were still analyzing how we can have it done so we can print them out so that I mean, all of our old books are no longer in circulation. That is, a lot of people don't download. They just have to read the physical copy. So the fact that they are on the web is not satisfying some people. And guess what? You'll be surprised. Jesus will ask those questions. He will. You know what I'm saying of these things? When we are willing to invest money and energy in the way of the world for promotion, we don't invest the same amount of effort and energy in our own examiner. I hope you're getting my point. In our own lifter. He's the one that judges. And he says, when I come, I judge. I give you talents. I said, do business with this until I come. There's a statement that you've heard me made here before. I don't know what I've made in recent times. That I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next five years. I have no idea. I don't even know where I'm going to be. It's possible. The one that said, occupy with this. Do business with this until I come. You can come one day. Next year. Say, bank, it is enough. Close the door. What do we do? We have another assignment. Where are we going? This time around, we need to liberate Central and Eastern Africa. There we are going to start again. And by that time, you will say everything you have preached from this platform is enough. Good enough is hanging around. Let those who are still around, okay, don't close the door. You just leave. <laughs> so there's a gift. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it will happen. The way you are looking at me like, what's your plan? I have no plan. I'm just telling you. He can do that. He can do that. If you go and look at the life of Paul, his ministry went from one state to the other. 
He can say enough of sitting on one spot and preaching day in, day out. It's time to be doing crusades. You're just tossing a new anointing that I did not know was there. The next time you'll be seeing that uh, you see poster all over one town, maybe in northern Nigeria, or somewhere, or somewhere in Africa, or even Europe, and you see stadium. He said, I don't know if Pastor Mark did preach like this. He, he laid out on the sick in public. When did that one start? You know, you are just wondering. I don't have any such desire. There are jobs I don't like. It's a kind of job I don't even like. Are you getting my point? I don't, you know, once I, there's a church I used to go to those days. When we gather, we are tens of thousands. I told somebody I don't enjoy it. I said, I hope God won't give me this kind of assignment to stand in the middle. And people are waiting for you to say, It shall be well with you. Amen. I've never understood that kind of ministry. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just that it's just not inside my body. Those kind of apostolic, prophetic things, evangelistic, just not my thing. But guess what? I don't own myself. If the owner of me comes one day and says, okay, he says it's enough, let's move to another level. He has the right to. But you know, we Christians often forget that he comes around. He'll be back. He comes at the end of time, that is one. But in our lives on a daily basis, he comes. There's a phase of your life, that phase will soon be over. And then he comes and says, let's discuss the next phase. And while he's doing that, he asks certain questions. That's what I've been talking about. You say, well, what did you score? i give a few examples. What did you score in the matter of faithfulness in little things? Or did you just believe that nobody's looking? Remember the story you've heard of when the chapel was being built and an artist was supposed to put a particular carving or drawing or something? Somebody said, don't bother. That place will be covered. Like he was doing it. Be careful. They said, no, you don't need to be so careful. That place will be covered by the roof. Nobody will see it. He turned to the person speaking. He said, God will see it. One of the guys who does you know, work for me, you know, also for the ministry too, that we hire once in a while. Once I tried to do something for my office in the hospital there. Then I was head of the department. I said, I just need something. I need a dead rack in a store, a hidden store. You know, wooden rack to store some things. So he quoted a particular amount of money. It was too expensive. He said no. He couldn't do it for less. Why not? He said the kind of wood he will use, how he will finish it. I say you don't need all of this. Just rough wood. Just make sure it will not, no, it is not susceptible to termites. Just rough wood. Just put it, just not come together. You know that kind of thing. And put it inside. The guy refused. He said something which I never forgot. He said now that you explain this to me, that I should do it rough, that so that the price can be low. Nobody is there. He said one day, listen to this. Say somebody will walk into that same store. And say, who did this rubbish? He says, my name they will call, not your name. He said, you won't be there that time. They will, they will not remember that you told me this negotiation, you don't want to. The, the fellow refused. I, when he made that point, I had to give him that there's a minimum standard I will not go below. Why? It's my handiwork, not yours. Your money will come into my hands. And go away. But my handiwork will stay in your store permanently. Then somebody will come and say, who made it? They won't remember this conversation. He said, I'm sorry. I'm not going below this level. This is a minimum amount I'm charging you. So we pay, I arranged. He got paid the money. He delivered quite, I mean, neat work. Not the, of course, it's not meant for display. It's supposed to be a store. We're supposed to put stuff on it. But I never forgot that statement. And that's how Jesus does also. 
you'll be amazed that if I say this, you surprise some people. You actually check whether you've made your bed or you haven't. I know some of us men don't make bed. Once madame is not at home, oh, Barry. Even demons feel comfortable. Why wouldn't they feel comfortable on a rough bed? Think about it. They just do like, I'm not saying I do it too. It's okay with it that does it too. <laughs> just, you know why you want to sleep? <laughs> just lie down. <laughs> all of them, all these married men, they are feeling guilty. The single boys, they, they lay in bed. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> My wife went the room. Yeah, get up, get up, get up, get up for what now? <laughs> Can't you see a man of God is asleep? <laughs> so let's change this bedsheet. Why are you changing the bedsheet? This this fine, clean bedsheet. <laughs> you know, I have to. <laughs> you know the truth. If it's surprising, but the Lord actually prefers your other one. He likes the way the women do it. Get up, make the bed. When Jesus rose up from the dead, he folded his napkin. Go and read your Bible. If now we rose up from the dead, we could just throw it. <laughs> they walk out. <laughs> the Lord is good. Jesus, that is, he woke up, he folded his napkin, folded it nicely, and kept it there. So it was one of the signs that the disciples used to know that the body was not stolen. Yes. And you know why it was significant to them? They knew him. If now we die, wake up, they will argue for two years. <laughs> Whether or not carry our body, <laughs> they would not know. But they knew he was the one. He folded his napkin very neatly and kept it there. When they saw it folded, ah, Rabbi, do you know Jesus judges those things? Sometimes we think we don't have anything to do. Anyway, the house we are living in, the compound is dirty. And we are looking for work. And God is just looking at us. The work I gave you, you haven't done it. You are looking, because the work you are looking for is promotion. From joblessness. Are you getting my point? You are staying with your parents. You say you don't have work. The house should be clean. That is, cobwebs should vanish. I don't believe there is no work. There's all, it just is to identify the assignment for the season that's our problem. There was a time I didn't have work, I thought. But I realized that, of course, I realized it quickly, that God actually gave me work. Gave me a number of just one who was study scriptures. I have work for you. You know what he told Elijah? Eat for the journey is long. No day will pass those days I won't eat two hours of tips, tips, messages. No, it, how will it happen? Not counting the books. I said one day I did a small estimate. I did over 400 Something between 400 and 500 hours of Bishop Oyedepo alone in eight months. That is him alone. I did an estimate. In eight months, I did something like 500 hours. I didn't know it was work. But as far as God was concerned, that was work. During that period, the only job I had that you could call a job it was driving. Yes. I was an unpaid driver. Now, you won't call it, you know, like, uh, are you a driver? Post NYC medical doctor. You know, if they advertise, drivers needed, you know, I wouldn't apply. So God said, How do I make this boy a driver? Oh. <laughs> I was living with my auntie, who was a businesswoman. And she had, 
Anyway, her driver, she had two drivers. So the one that used to stay in the office left, and one would stay with her, you know, move driver around. So this one had to go to the office. So it just started casually. Banky, Auntie Halfa, are you going anywhere today? No. You know I'm not feeling well. Yes, I'm aware. Can you drive me to VI? No problem. I entered the car. And so the work takes start too. It lasted many months. I drove until my legs could, that they could walk around Lagos by themselves with my eyes closed. <laughs> that was the job. Funny enough, it earned me my daily bread. Because I'm a young man, I'm in the house. How you be just in the house doing nothing? So, and more importantly, I interacted with people that spent heavy money. And when, and you say, ah, oh, you know, I didn't get any money. Don't worry, I didn't get anything. What happened was I got something out of it. That was when I understood it, that promotion is a gift of God. Because, you know, you know before that, I'd never been, I mean, my parents are civil servants, you know, both of them. I then, from home, went to school. And, you know, every student is poor. Amen. It's a normal thing. All right? Including the rich ones. They are poor. Went for NYC. Every copper is even worse. Coppers are poorer than students. <laughs> from NYC, I now went to my auntie's place. I went to Lagos for some. I started staying with my auntie for a short period. That period, that was when my eyes opened. What I got out of it, you know, there's a way the spirit works. I didn't become covetous. I didn't say, nah, no, I, me too, I must have money. What I got out of it, just one simple thing, that this wealth does not come by struggle. Because, I mean, it was insulting to see my colleagues work three jobs in a month that, at a time to earn 15,000 naira combined at the end of the month. Yet I was hanging with people that then they bought bags and shoes for $400. And naira was 70 naira to the dollar. So what's $400. 28,000, yes. So you see, my colleagues, they work how many jobs? Three jobs. Post-NYC doctors, you know. Three jobs. At the end of the month. I mean, they are working side by side. I don't mean... At the same time, they had three jobs. A total, 15,000. Yet when auntie says, hey, Banky, please bring my shoes for me. I bend down, pick the shoes, and pick the bag, and say, take. That's $400. Honestly. And that was not the most expensive. I just used to look at it. I said, ha. So these people, they, they have how many heads? I didn't know that the hair that time was what you call Brazilian. You know, I didn't know. Just, uh, just see them doing hair. You know, just, I thought it was what they call attachment. $200. Are you getting my point? I'm like, hmm. Amen. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing them. I see where the money is coming from. I'm seeing where it is going. So I said, eh. So those who are rich in this world, it is not because... They have six heads. Or they are doing something hidden, secret. No, it's just because God breathed favor on them. I mean, I saw, I saw it happen again and again. I still remember the young man. Always sharply dressed. What is his job? Just linking people to business. Still remember this particular brand new, what was this, Mitsubishi Pajero that they were sending to from Lagos to Port Harcourt, and arm robbers took it. Then it was going for $3 million of that time, heavy money. dollar was 17 I told you. And after some time, police recovered it. Make a long story short, share. They recovered the car and returned to the people that owned it. Because it was now used, 
They now decided to sell it off as used. You understand? I, I was hanging around them, so my person and another person, you know, that my relative, they got together. Of course, you needed to be an inside person to know it, the deal was going down. See, that's the kind of thing I'm telling you. They just did the car finish, you know. So they sprayed it, did everything, cleaned it out, turned it back to new. But they said it's been used, and they, maybe insurance has paid some things. They just did some arrangements, said they are selling off for 1.3. So they bought the car, 1.3 million from the big factory, you know, for the big company. Drove it to their shop, put a label on it, 2 million naira, 700,000 naira. So, of course, not every Nigerian does it could walk in and pay 2 million naira for a car. What they just, they just, those guys, you know, it was a brand new vehicle. It was stolen for a few weeks before police recovered it. So, in that people just raised money, bought it, and packed it. Now, that young man I was telling you about, his duty was get a buyer. So, he came, I remember he came, inspected the car, took some information. He had this sharp mobile phone and began to make phone calls. Before the end of the following week, he brought a man. That guy paid 2 million cash. That's when he brought that time. Not the 2 million of today. When the dollar was 79, paid 2 million cash for the car. That's not my gist. All this one is not my gist. My gist was that I was also there when that guy came to collect his broker's fee of 35,000. And I did a mental calculation. That's more than two months hard labor for a young doctor working three jobs side by side. Seven months pay if you did a normal side, you know, job. But what God took me through were those lessons. In those lessons, I realized that those who are rich are not the most struggling ones. So when I left that place, I said to God, can we have an arrangement? If you want to bless me, I'm fine by it. If you don't want to, I will never complain. I just asked him one favor. Don't give me a wife. That was the favor I asked him. I said, don't give me a wife because, you see, suffering is a loan when there's no child crying. And no woman is there. <laughs> you just suffer your suffer alone. John the Baptist level is a good level. Locust and wild honey. It's a good life. It's the same life. It's what you achieve. You won't raise any children say you are going to school, doing school run. <laughs> You'll be preaching the gospel all the time. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, why did I tell that story? I don't even know. I'm going to say something here. The little things, the Lord is judging them. He's judging them. You iron your shirt, wear a dirty singlet. He's judging it. You tell some people, I had a driver that. Anyways, let me say, nobody may get driver, now my wife can get driver. Because me, I could have tolerated that guy for one week. My wife had tolerated him for a whole year. She tell him to buy for if we managed to give him money, to never be complete. I was an old man, I sacked him after a while, got tired. But you know, the young people are doing it, not realizing that is why they will never be promoted in life. See, I said all of things I've said so far to let us understand that. Jesus is the one that promotes people with his children. He's a Lord. He said he's the God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. What that, what that means, I was talking about faith. If we really believed that, we will put the effort into pleasing him every moment. The reason why we don't is that we really don't believe it. The things we do really are the signs of our faith. The effort I will spend in getting a foreign degree. God said, your foreign degree is not a problem with me. Oh. I can rewrite laws to promote people that didn't go to school above you. So don't worry about that. I can promote you where you are and I'll rewrite the laws. But before you start pursuing anything, first thing, 
ask yourself, what is it that is pleasing to me? Put that effort in. Invest money to find out. What is it I'm checking for? When I come, like I've been saying, I check little things. I check things as simple as, when are you supposed to get to the office? Eight o'clock. You got there quarter past eight. What did you sign? Jesus wants to know. You sign in the book. I wish you would understand. I hope you know he's looking at your pen. As you carry that pen. Once you get there, you're about to write, the angel will lift your neck like this. Boom. So you can see the clock. 8.15, he will drop it back for you. Sign now. Brethren, write 8.15. But but what? If my manager finds out, I may get a query. If Jesus finds out, you get worse. (laughs) You will get worse. When Jesus finds out the one you are doing, what you will get is not a query. It's when he returns, he's checking. Faithfulness, zero. Trustworthiness, zero. I can't leave this one up. Many people have been promoted to good places in life which are far inferior to where Jesus ordained for them. Because this, what he does is, is what he still does. What he, you saw in there, he will return. He said, you be in charge of ten cities. Many people are in charge of one city. But because all their friends are in charge of no city, they think they are great. So the man that rises at eight o'clock, he will be in charge of one city. He may get something to be in charge of. But Jesus just shakes his head and says, these people don't get it. If you will have feared me more than you feared your physical manager. After all, all that you need to realize now is that, all you need to realize now is that since you cannot write 8.15, you'll be there by 8 o'clock. There's no big deal. You see, I don't know whether you're getting the point. There's no big deal. And if you're an 8 o'clock person on a regular basis, one 8.15 will not kill you. I hope you're getting what I'm going to say here. But the reason why you keep having to lie all the time is because you know you can lie. That is the point. You believe there are no consequences. And I'm teaching today that there are. Let me say something to you. I am convinced of this. Jesus is tired of wishy, washy, unserious, neither here nor there Christianity. You know what he wants? He wants people to want to appoint credible people. And they will go to church. Knowing that if you can get somebody from this church, your money is safe. I remember those that I used to play basketball with my friends. Because of SAP riots, our schools were closed. That was 1989. So we were home for five straight months. So I was at home now, you have to find something to do. So he's going to play basketball, learn with my friends. And boys used to argue over everything. And I remember what they always used to do. When they couldn't get the truth, they turned and said, ask this guy. He doesn't tell lies. That's what they just used to do. Ask him. Even if it would be against my team, say, ask him. He doesn't tell lies. It looked like a small thing, but that was the reputation I got amongst my friends, just playing with them for a few months. To surprise you to know that right now, Christianity, we don't have that kind of reputation on a daily basis. In the days of Peter and Co., they had it. It was so bad, they died, Ananias and Sapphira, for lying. Why? That is nobody else did. The little things God is looking at, we believers. Those days, you know, of course, as you get more understanding, your life improves. Those days, you know, tell young people, okay, travel, your, own comp- your, your company will say, okay, stay in the hotel. Of course, the money for the hotel was big. 
maybe 10,000 naira a day to stay for five days. How much is that? 50,000. Meanwhile, your salary is 40. And they will pay the 50. Ah, so boys will go and stay with their cousin and bring receipts back. I know the argument. You see, the way you judge something depends on the perspective with which you are looking at it. The argument most people will use is that the company has released the money. It doesn't concern them where I sleep. Right? There's only one problem. Why did you have to bring a receipt? If it did not concern them, why do we need a receipt? Is there so that they can process the money? It concerns them, therefore. But this is the perspective I look at as believers. It's not whether you sleep there or you don't sleep there. That receipt, how will you get it? It has to be forgery. It has to be a lie. That is what the problem is. You know what God does when he wants to help us to make the right decisions in life? He puts one key point there. That jump that hurdle. You know you can't jump it in righteousness. I don't know whether you are getting my point. So the argument of, is he right, is he wrong, is, God said, don't discuss it. Focus it like this. Should a Christian forge receipt? If you discuss it from that angle, <laughs> after all this argument is because of money. It's not because of righteousness. It's because of money. You have looked at the 50k like this, eh? your eye don't big. You will check what you will do with it. One of my friends said, what he used to do. I was a big guy in his own company. The money, kind of money they would pay, heavy. They transferred him from Lagos to the north. So when he got there, where are you staying? See, I'm staying in a hotel. As, you know, as a young, <laughs> struggling resident doctor, you know, like, why are you staying in a hotel? That's a lot of money. Say, my company will pay. He said, don't worry. He told me, don't worry. They will pay. But the point is, I'm not forging receipts for anybody. I don't care how much money is involved. People of God, you know, <laughs> Jesus is checking that. <laughs> oh, Jesus is checking it. When he comes back, those are the things he checks. Let, let me end my message. What I'm going to emphasize on is, the, is, is this. I'll continue next time. Next time, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, you know, put all those things together. He checks things, and I want us to realize that if we really had faith in him, and that's where the problem is, has been. That's where the challenge has been. That true faith in Jesus. That true faith that accepts that he's the one that lifts up. We don't believe it. That is why we do the human thing. We do the worldly thing. Because we think if I get a certificate, are you getting my point? I'll be promoted. But I want to say to us again, bear it in mind. It is Jesus that will promote you. Did you hear what I said? It's Jesus that will promote you. So what you need to do is to write his own exams. More like prepare for his own exams. We should know that he's checking things. So when we understand that we put our effort into pleasing him. That's what I'm trying to say. My time is up, so I'll continue next time. We put our effort into pleasing him. I want us to take it again and go through the things that he looks at. He looks at faithfulness in little things. He looks at faithfulness in what belongs to somebody else. He looks at our practice of righteousness and then our practice of justice. He looks at it. How you judge things. I have noticed that human beings don't judge with fairness. They judge according to the outcome, whether it will favor them or it won't. Jesus will test you on those things. He will test you on how much you committed yourself to multiplying the talent that he gave to you. The mina. That is what he gave you. Because those ones came and said, your mina has made ten more. Please, I'll go back these things again. I'll take them, you no, know, one by one. Like that matter of righteousness is important. It has to do with ownership. It has to do with purpose. We have to reason with purpose. He's judging us a little. Let me just say this. And I close. The time, all right, 
the time that he anointed David as king, David was not practicing for the throne. I hope you're getting my point. They were just being faithful with the sheep. These people that you are seeing here, don't forget it. They were not practicing to rule over cities. I hope you get my point. They did not know. They were just multiplying. They were doing business with this until he will come back. What am I saying? What God is preparing you for, you don't know. But he has given you what to do today to prepare for that thing. For that reason, he will judge. Not in how much you plan. That's why last time I was talking about this. Have a vision. Have a vision. Have a vision. At the point in time, it seemed as if I contradicted myself. Let me just explain it again. You cannot have a vision for a long term. You can only have a vision for what you have right now in your hands. I don't know whether I get my point. Let me explain it. The man that had Mina, could he have a vision to rule over 10 cities? No. But he had the Mina in his hands. He could wake up in the morning and say, this thing must be 20-fold by the time my master comes back. Are you getting my point? He can do that. For example, I'm a teacher in a university. Uh, sorry, in a secondary school. God forbids that I have visions like one day I'll be the head of state. He forbids I'll have visions like one day I'll own a university or two. You can have those jobless idle dreams. Are you getting my point? When you have nothing doing, you can waste your time with it. The vision he says you should have is this. Sorry, I keep on using science because I did science, all right? I'm a physics teacher. Okay? I'm the main physics teacher in this school. They are going for SSC. They have four arms. Each arm has 30 students. That's 120, of which about 60 are going to do physics in SSC exams. I can have this vision that my pass rate amongst my students should be over 90%. I can have the vision that of, the 90, of, of those ones that passed, at least 25% should have A1. And literally, I will kneel down and pray. God help me. There are times I will have a student, a pupil, that's not doing very well in math and physics. And the guy looks, or the young woman looks interested in it. And I go and pray, say, God, give me the wisdom to help him. Are you getting my point? So do I have a vision? Yes. Of being head of state? No. Of being a senator? No. Of owning my own school? No. But that these students committed into my hands, do business with them until I come back. I hope you're getting my point. That's when you start developing new teaching methods that are not even standard. Do not have heard of teachers. They will tell you that, go and meet that guy. There is nobody who can teach maths. That's the kind of vision and dream that we're allowed to have. This long-term dream, Joseph didn't dream it. The dream dreamt him. And it had no meaning at that time. He did nothing towards it. How can you be walking towards being a ruler and it is slavery you are going to pass through? Who does that? Who does that? But you know what? It's hard for us to actually accept. That's the issue. It's hard for us to actually accept and rely upon the fact that in due season, God will lift us up. It's very difficult. That due season thing is hard. Hopefully next time, I'll talk about it again. How to wait for God. Let's bow down heads to pray. I don't know what the Lord has said to you. Just take a minute and talk to him. As I was speaking, he was speaking to you. That one is for certain. As I was speaking, he was saying something to you. And that demands a response from you. Make your commitment. Make your repentance. There are things you need to tell him sorry concerning. There are things you need to say not anymore. Yeah, your income will drop by almost half. But <laughs> you have to pass his exam. You have to be able to say to him, not anymore. Not anymore. I won't do this anymore. I will not forge a receipt for anybody. 
I'm not forging a certificate. I'm not telling lies. Abba, just to get money when I will fail the exam of Jesus. Say, Lord, not anymore. When I will be failing the exam of Jesus, no, not anymore. Father, we thank you. Just thank God in your own words. Tell him thank you. Thank him. Tell him thank you for correction, for direction, for insight. Say, Lord, I thank you for correction, for insight, for what you have taught me today. Say, Lord, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we give you praise. Lord, I declare your word, your blessing upon your people. I say, the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you depart from here, goodness is going with you. Amen. His mercy is going with you. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come to your dwelling place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Open doors in this season. Amen. I say amen to that too. Amen. Lifting in this season. Amen. Opening of great doors in the name of Jesus. Amen. Doors will open for you. Doors of productivity, Amen. doors of increase, Amen. doors that come with favor, Amen. they will open for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I feel like telling somebody this. You know, as I was saying it, your mind went somewhere. God said, it's not from there. I would say, doors of favor. Somebody was just thinking of a particular thing. God said, not from there. Your favor will come from an unlikely place. Amen. It will come from an unlikely place. Amen. A place that if God gave you the opportunity to ask, you wouldn't ask for that one. It will come from there. Amen. But when it comes, you will know it is the Lord. Amen. I said when it comes, you will know it is the Lord. Amen. Something great is about to happen to somebody here. Amen. The young man wrote us that time, he, he had gotten tired. He wanted to specialize in a particular field of robotics and engineer. He gave up on it. Not as if he gave up. He heard me teach that just relax. God will increase you in his own season. And he left it like that for two years. And then one day he got an email. And he got a fully sponsored scholarship that is 100%. You know, you know what I mean by fully? There's no part he's paying to go and do a PhD in robotics. After he had left it. If I like the way he said, he said, Jesus surprised me. He said, he was, not gonna, he was not thinking about it anymore. Such a favor is coming to somebody this week. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things the Lord has been doing for you is to remove confidence from human help. Because if he, if he allows your plan to work now, next time you will still be calling on the on King Ben-Hadad. And the Bible says that from, that, from, from there you will start seeing wars. God said, I don't want you to have wars. So let me frustrate your own plan. Let me give you my own favor. Help will come to you from a strange place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said, help will come to you from a strange place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If anybody is sick here, remember, healing is your portion. Amen. It's the children's bread. Amen. Therefore, I rebuke that affliction. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus used to make a big deal about divine healing. He went everywhere healing the sick. That means it's important to him. He doesn't want his children to be sick. Don't accept it as normal. That's one major problem, accepting these things as normal. Listen to me. Total health. Is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Total health is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't accept something as incurable. Healing is coming to you. Amen. Life is working in you. Amen. It's a process, but it is working. Amen. I said it may be a process, but it is working. 
and perfect health, sound physical health you will experience Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, let's share the grace.